Yeah, thanks for being with us on your Thursday afternoon. I'm Bruce Claggett in for Jill Bennett this week. Inflation, higher interest rates, and oh yeah, the cost of housing. What a bloody expensive year it's been, 2023. And yeah, as this year winds down, Canadians are considering their New Year's resolutions. And surveys are showing improving financial health. No surprise here. Top of the list. BDO Debt Solutions says instead of making a resolution, Canadians should be putting in place a 2024 financial plan. Where did we get to in this idea? What's the reason for it? What's the need? And how do we go about doing it? To talk about this, we bring in Nicole Olson, Senior Manager, Vice President of Licensed Insolvency or Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Canada. Nicole, thanks so much for being with us this afternoon and uh, Happy New Year ahead. Tell me about the need right now going into 2024 to have a plan in place. Oh, thanks, Bruce. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, Absolutely. With the start of the new year just a few days away, a lot of Canadians, including many uh, British Columbians, they're starting to think about that New Year's resolution. And according to surveys, paying down debt, um, obviously, some of the top of the list right now. But we're starting to show that surveys are showing inflation rates are obviously on the rise. The interest rates, like you said, they continue to be the leading financial concerns for Canadians heading into the new year. Um, cost of living is kind of going a little out of, out of hand. Economic uncertainty as well. Almost a third of Canadians plan to reduce their spending this coming year. And many are amending their New Year's resolutions to focus on their finances. And that includes financial goals and budget. And while most of us have financial goals, uh, a lot of Canadians don't have that financial plan or a financial budget in place. And that's what BDO is recommending is that instead of a resolution, maybe you need to start thinking about creating an entire year-long financial plan, right? Right. And you know, Nicole, when you say this, I always uh, think of going on a diet. There are two parts to it, and it's basically calories in, calories out. Financial plan is money in and money out. But most of what we talk about in terms of planning is the money out. Do we ever take a look at this time of the year of just how to maybe take stock on money coming in? Yeah, that's a great way to start with your financial plan. So one of the first pieces is to really kind of take a survey and say, okay, how much income do I have coming in right now? And um, I use January as a really good time to go in. You can go on the um, CRA website and actually look and see what those payroll deduction calculators are. So you can see where all the new tax brackets are, figure out what your paycheck is going to look like for the coming year. Um, so that's one of the steps that I take to say, okay, how much money do I have coming in first? Uh, and then start looking at the expenses going from there. And when I list my expenses, I'm kind of looking for things that are, what are my needs first? And needs are housing, food, clothing, medication, the basic needs and necessities of living. And then after that, it's going to be the wants. So wants could be particularly like a car over maybe public transportation, um, you know, possibly putting in for uh, sports or activities or entertainment for the family. And then it's the things that you want to save long-term goals for, like vacations or an emergency fund. And that's where we're putting in those those things. Other people need to do reverse budgeting is what I call it. So reverse budgeting is actually figuring out if you're on a very fixed income, 
what do I need to survive? So what are my basic needs and expenses first? And then this is how much money I need to make. And then going back and saying, okay, how do I make this much money, right? And there's quite often, well, there's always either a gap or a surplus in the two. There's a difference between what you're spending and what you're, you've got coming in. What do you do as a person when you start to have that honest conversation with yourself and you say, okay, this is how much money is coming in. And sometimes it could be flexible, especially if you're in business for yourself. And this is what's going out, say, per month. And what's going out is higher than what's coming in, which means you're leaning into things like your credit cards and you're leaning into even, oh, perhaps loans or, uh, or personal loans or uh, lines of credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of have one of three options in dealing with it if you have an upside-down budget. So the first thing is, is is somehow figuring out how to increase your income. So we hear a lot about the gig economy, things that are people are picking up extra work, uh, looking for ways to make extra funds. So that could be option number one. You could try to increase your income. Option number two is reducing those expenses. So it really is going through line by line on your budget items. And we may have an idea of how much we're spending on those. Like we always guess. Like you were saying about the diet, I kind of use that as an analogy as well. I'm like, oh, I only ate this many calories a day. But when you actually sit down and track how much you have, um, then you actually get into the nitty gritty of, oh, I ate a little bit more here or there. So budgeting is the same way. Um, Go back and look at maybe the last three months of bank statements to really add up where your expenses are going. And then once you have those numbers in place, you can start saying, okay, I may not necessarily need this, or maybe I can cut this down. So if um, I have a particular expense myself, I'm crazy on Starbucks. So maybe it's instead of going to Starbucks three days a week, maybe I only go on the weekends like once on a Saturday or something. So I can reduce it, but not getting rid of that expense that I enjoy. Um, And then after that, it could be looking at those debt payments as well. So Oftentimes, especially with the increase in debt, and there's some delinquencies as well with our interest rates being as high as they are, people's debt repayment payments are getting so high that it's eating up a lot of their income. So I only like to see clients where they're maybe spending a maximum of about 15% of their take-home pay on debt repayment. If they're not, if they're spending any more than that, they really should have a conversation with a debt restructuring professional who can go over their options with them, which could be just restructuring it, consolidating it, potentially looking at other more formal type of restructuring options. But if you're spending more than, you know, 30 to 50% of your income on debt repayment, you just don't have enough left to pay for any of your other needs. Nicole, it's, uh, I've been in this position myself. It's tough to come to the reality with yourself when you are kind of in a mess and need to be really honest and say, I need help, or I need to do something differently, or perhaps I wasn't as wise as I could have been. Where do you see people coming to you or coming to other professionals and saying, it's now time to get help? Is it when it's too late? And how do you really square that with the pride that they might have in themselves in saying, I'll get through it, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry? 
sometimes, yeah, most of the time I see clients that come to me kind of too late in the game. Not that we can't help them. They just always say at the end of the conversation, man, I would, I wish I would have talked to you sooner. It would have saved me a lot of pain or a lot of money or other things. So I say talk to a professional like myself, a licensed insolvency trustee. We're regulated by the government. We're required to go over every single option out there and available to the client. So when they come in and have a conversation with us, one, not only is it free, but two, it's completely non-judgmental. We take a look at their entire financial picture, go over all their options with them and say, okay, this is where your budgeting issues are or that we foresee. We're not going to tell you, you can't have this, you can't have that. We're just going to say, tell us what your goals are and we'll kind of create a plan. And I always say, it's like, here's door number one, here's door number two, here's door number three, here's all the pros and cons of each of these options. And ultimately, the choice is up to the client to decide which option they want to go with, but at least they have somebody to have that conversation with in that safe and non-judgmental area. But I say the sooner you talk to a professional, the better it is. Think about it. If if my New Year's or my health plan coming in January is that I want to get to the gym and start exercising and doing all that stuff and getting myself into shape, the best thing for me to do is actually go and talk to an expert like a nutritionist and a financial plan, uh, not, not a financial planner, a fitness planner, a personal trainer, so that I actually don't injure myself and then take myself out of the game completely. They have the knowledge I don't. If I just go in and try to start picking up machines and doing things, I'm probably going to hurt myself. And True. the same could be said about our finances, right? Bruce in for Jill. We've been talking about the tough year in terms of costs and our budget going into 2020, 2020, 2024. Yeah, it's already that late. Our guest, Nicole Olson, Senior Manager, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada. And yes, the recommendation, the bottom line is putting in place a 2024 financial plan and following it. Nicole, what is that financial plan? How do we go about doing it? I guess, like you said, that first step of actually taking a look at things can be and probably is the hardest step to take. But once you do and just have that conversation or take that look, um, it's going to make things a little bit easier. So to create your financial plan, you should really take that honest look at your financial situation. You need to think about your income, your expenses, any amount of savings that you've put in place, RRSPs, TFSAs, and then really focus on what are the challenges in your budget? But what are your successes as well? So make two lists. There might be something that you're really good at. You could be very resourceful. There's a lot of things that you might be doing really well. Um, You want to start taking stock of your short and long-term financial goals. Short-term goals are anything that's going to happen within the next one to three years. Long-term financial goals typically look about five to ten years. And you're going to to want them to treat them a little bit differently. Um, You also want to take a look at that debt level. Definitely take a look at that number. I know it can be really scary, but it's good to quantify what that number is, understand what the interest rates are with each of them and what those interest amounts are going to be that they're going to be payable on them. And what are the monthly payments? Um, If you have a household budget, if not, is it meeting your, uh, make one and check and make sure that it's meeting all your needs. Are there areas in which you can trim or cut your spending? I focus on trimming versus cutting because we don't want to like We just don't want to work to live. You want to be able to work and have a few things that, you know, make life enjoyable, Um, but free up some funds potentially for debt repayment or for those, um, you know, savings goals that you might have for investments or retirement. You know, much Um, like the diet analogy, 
people want success overnight, but it takes time. And one of those things is ensuring, I guess, you have some momentum going on and that you're able to maintain whatever plan you have in place. Where do you see that working best and how does it uh, really achieve the goals you want when you put that plan in place? Right. So savings and debt repayment are two of those things that you can watch success very much over time. So you can start to see um, if you're going to say, all right, I'm going to save $50 a month. That's it. Then at month two, you're going to say, okay, I've got $100 in savings and then 150 And you're going to want to see, am I on track with this? We've got a lot of really great tools at our fingertips, Google Excel sheets, docs. There's a lot of free things that are online that you can use to start tracking. One, am I making any progress in my savings plans? And then two, am I also making progress in my debt repayment plans? And it can track that for you so you can see how well you're doing. Absolutely. Don't think that you can do this overnight. It took you how many years to get into this position? It's going to take you just probably as much time to potentially get out of that or maybe a little shorter depending on if if you do a more aggressive plan or do restructuring, right? Now, we're all smart people and we think that we can often do it ourselves. When do you bring in a professional? Why would you bring in a professional when maybe some of the advice is simply online, as you point out? I think bringing in a professional at the front end is always a good idea. Even if you think like, hey, I work in finance, I should know all of this stuff. Sometimes we're the worst ones. You know how they say the mechanic is the one that has the worst car in the garage. Sometimes us people in finance also need that kind of help as well. Having an extra set of eyes that isn't currently living in your situation and can look at things from a different perspective is always helpful in reviewing that budget. So having a financial planner or talking like like I say, to a licensed insolvency trustee who can take a look at it from a different perspective, can show you things that you may not be seeing just because we're currently living in that situation and we don't always see the windows and doors available to us, right? Right. Nicole, I often hear the commercials that talk about, oh, yeah, your debt score, we can work on your, uh, or your credit score, we can work on that and make sure it's going to be better by getting your debt under control. But there's so many other benefits uh, to this, and a lot of it comes down to life enjoyment. What do you see in terms of debt stress and anxiety, and what is it like on the other side? Yeah, we just did a debt stigma survey recently in the fall, and it talked about how stressed Canadians are about their debt and that debt restructuring and how it's just creating a lot of anxiety and stress for people. It's one of the things that keeps them up at night, and it's one of the things that they don't even want to talk about. They'd rather talk about their illnesses and divorces rather than they would rather talk about their debt situation. So given that, people do talk about credit scores a lot, and I say, Listen, that's secondary. The first thing we need to do is deal with the debt situation. We need to triage it. We need to stop the bleeding. We need to get you in a plan, get the debt repayment going. Working on building your credit score is something that we do afterwards. And really, you just need your credit score to qualify for a mortgage, potentially like a financing of a vehicle. But beyond that, if you're in a debt situation, you don't need to have a great credit score Focus on getting the debt down, the payments that are manageable, so they're not keeping you up at night. You're not getting collections calls. You're not getting harassment from creditors. That's the big piece that's stressing a lot of people out, right? And Absolutely. Good advice, by the way, heading into the new year, which could be a whole lot better as we come off what was arguably a challenging 2023. Nicole, thanks for your time and a happy new year ahead. Yes, and a happy new year to you as well.